0: He's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's the Mark K Show. Listen, like, share. Oh, hold on! I'm having a, I'm having a headphone issue. On. I'll, be right, I'll be right with you. i right with you. I'm having a headphone issue. I just, I just got off the air. I was filling in for Herman Kane today. And uh, that required some adjustments to my studio, uh, and I didn't readjust everything. Honestly. Oh, there we go. Now I can now I can hear myself. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Thanks so much for joining me, man. I'll tell you that's Super Bowl yet? Did you watch it? Did you see it? Did you did you experience the oh my genus that was Super Bowl Li? I mean, it was it was ridiculous. It was it was totally crazy. I don't even know. I don't even know how we all survive. I don't know how I'm awake right now. By the way, because it was it was <laughs> as if the Super Bowl is not on late enough for somebody who has to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. It goes into overtime. The first time in history the Super Bowl has ever gone into overtime, and we were there, ladies and gentlemen. We were there to witness the entire thing. Uh how exciting. Anyway, uh listen, I hope that everyone's having a great day. I don't know if you're at work or if you're at home or uh, if you're like Herman Cain and you called in sick or actually he didn't call in sick. It was pre, it was all pre-planned. I knew about this days before. He told me he goes he goes, "Mark, you got to fill in for me Monday after the Super Bowl." Because that's how he talks. And I go, "Oh, the, the Monday after the Super Bowl? Are you sure?" You he goes, "Yeah. No, it's going to be a blast. Everybody in Atlanta's because he's based in Atlanta everybody's going to be so excited. You're going to have so much fun. And I was like, all right. uh, No, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. And then, of course, last night I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is great. Everyone in Atlanta is going to be so excited and I'm going to go on for Herman Cain and everyone's going to be like, woohoo. Yay. Best day ever. Uh, But then, of course, there was this this crazy turn of events in the second half and it didn't go the way that everybody thought it was going to go at halftime. And well, let's just say everybody in Atlanta wasn't as excited today as they could have been had the Patriots not stolen the Super Bowl victory from their hands, just from the from their grasp. In fact, there's this, I found this Samuel Jackson rise up commercial from earlier in the season, and it is bizarrely prophetic as to what happened last night. Listen to this. They don't give out participation trophies, not in this league. Nobody throws ticker tape thanks for trying parades. Locker rooms are not draped in plastic. And champagne bottles are not uncorked for having winning seasons. Even four of them in a row. And you know what? That's just the way we like it. Rise up! Yeah. Uh, In the end, it was the Patriots who rose up. So maybe that should be... Maybe that should be their motto uh, going forward. But look, a lot of people, and here's basically what happened was, you had a lot of historical things come to fruition last night in the Super Bowl. One, you had a, a quarterback in Tom Brady who won five, his fifth Super Bowl. Never in history has that happened. Two, you had Bill Belichick, a coach who won his fifth Lombardi trophy. Never, never before has that happened. You had the largest deficit overcome. By any team in Super Bowl history, no team had come back from a 14-point deficit. The Patriots managed to come back and win from 25 points behind in one quarter. That was the next thing. And, of course, the first overtime game, which isn't that remarkable to think that in 50 Super Bowls, there hasn't been one overtime game and all that history, that to me is just remarkable. Uh, that, of course, was was uh, shattered yesterday. And the history books will now remember this is the year that we had our first overtime game because the Patriots came back and tied it 28-28. And the Atlanta Falcons just couldn't hang on. Now, I did get a lot of reaction from Atlanta. Uh, some people who were very angry. Worst choke in Super Bowl history. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, some people who were like, hey, they had a great season and we should all be proud. The Falcons are still winners in my book. Come on, Atlanta, rise up. And then some people who uh, thought there was a more devious, sinister plot behind the entire Super Bowl uh, outcome. This is Andrew and Conyers. And, uh, my thoughts on the Super Bowl is that it was rigged long with the past other ones. Now, these were two good stories of Peyton Manning last to the Super Bowl and the most points overcome by a team ever in the first overtime by Tom Brady it is clearly just rigged by the NFL. Thank you. All right. So now this guy's claiming that not just this Super Bowl, but the last Super Bowl b- were rigged by the NFL. And, and we're going to dive into that because, you know, there may be some evidence uh, one way or the other, but I'm <laughs> We want to we want to talk about exactly who and why they would rig it and uh, and some of the uh, the responses. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to ask you to please share this broadcast because we're also going to get into some of the politics that happened and also didn't happen during the Super Bowl. It was really really kind of an interestingly political. The game itself was not political. The commercials, however, were overtly political, and we're going to discuss that at length. Uh, so if you if you would just take a second, a lot of people have called in sick. They're not at work today. They took the day off. Either they're. Celebrating or commiserating uh, with the fans of whichever team, and maybe they're looking for something to do. So share this with them so that they can take a look at it and hopefully enjoy along with the rest of us. And uh, and they can also comment below if you're watching on Facebook. It's easy to do. Just of course hit the like button, hit that share button. That's the most important thing. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, would love for you to share that as well. It's easy as just you know sending a text message to your friend or or you know make sure you include the link and say hey look I've downloaded this guy a couple times. Uh, he's worth the kilobytes you know, he's worth the, uh, he's worth the, uh, the data. Um, at least you know, I, I strive to be worth your data. In fact, that's what, that's gonna be my next t-shirt worth the data. Oh, speaking of t-shirts, uh, we have extended once again, the working it like Donald T, uh, working it like Donald. No president has done more or worked harder in their first few days than Donald Trump. He's up early. He's up late. He's got meetings all day. You work just as hard as he does. You are working it like Donald, W-I-L-D. You deserve a working it like Donald t-shirt. You can get those by clicking the link that I will put in the description or go to teespring.com slash wild shirt. All right, so let's talk about Donald Trump because there was a a pregame interview that Bill O'Reilly gave with Donald Trump. And Bill O'Reilly talked about all sorts of things. They talked about immigration. They talked about uh, Neil... um, What's his name? Gorsuch, the uh, Supreme Court justice. They talked about all the things Donald Trump has experienced in his first couple weeks at the helm. And then, of course, Bill O'Reilly pressed him, pressed him to make a, uh, a choice about the Super Bowl and, and a prediction as to the outcome. Who would win? What would the score be? And Donald Trump said, look, you know, for a fact that I am friends, I am friends with Tom Brady, you know, for a fact I'm friends with Bill Belichick, you know, for a fact I'm friends with Robert Kraft, the owner of the team. Donald Trump said it would you know I wouldn't I would not they're both fantastic teams they're both really great organizations they're both phenomenal players that that make up uh make up the uh, starting squads of of both the Atlanta Falcons and the uh, New England Patriots and he's right about that. But Bill O'Reilly pressed him and here's what Donald Trump predicted before the game. I'll say the Patriots will win. By how many points? By 8 points. The Patriots will win by 8 points. And in the end the Patriots won by 6 points. Which is about as close as you can get. I mean, okay, you could have, he could have said seven points, Uh, but it's as close as you can get without actually being right on the money. The the Patriots won. by... I'm surprised that CNN hasn't run with some kind of article yet, either saying Donald Trump fixed the Super Bowl the way he fixed the election. Uh, maybe with Russian hackers. Maybe Vladimir Putin was able to hack into the uh, the Eagles or the uh, Falcons playbook rather. And no one wants to hack into the Eagles playbook. <laughs> in fact, he hacked into the Falcons playbook and delivered it to Trump, who then in turn sent it to Bill Belichick at halftime, so they could study it in the locker room and come up with a game plan that would cause them. To win, to overcome the odds—that's a popular theory. Don't I mean? CNN hasn't reported it yet, so and the fact that they haven't proves that it may actually be true. But a lot of people today are saying that that this was clearly, this was clearly some kind of Russian plot to uh, to destroy the sanctity of the Super Bowl, much the way they did the election. I'm. I'm not. Look, I'm not saying that happened. I'm just telling you what other people are saying about the Super Bowl today. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, if you think about, if you think about the way it went down, if you think about the 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 deficit that was overcome, you've got two really great stories. And in fact, one of the uh, in fact, one of the uh, people that I was talking to in Atlanta today, listen to what they said. This is how they summed up the game, and I think a lot of people feel this way. Uh, oh, wait, where the hell is it? Oh, no, did I get rid of it? Uh, hold on one second. Oh, no, I may have gotten rid of it. Uh, he basically said it was a tale of two halves. A tale of two halves. Uh, much like Star Wars, it was A New Hope versus The Empire Strikes Back. And you had on one side a young alliance of Jedi up and coming, the Atlanta Falcons, who've been fighting and struggling who've been proving their mettle, who've been overcoming great odds all season long. And then they were facing the Dark Lord of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, an organization that has just basically had a, 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 a an iron grip on the NFL and the Lombardi Trophy for almost a decade. And it was a battle like we would see on the silver screen, and it came down to the very last moment. An epic, epic story of good versus evil. Now, I'm not going to say Tom Brady's evil. To be perfectly honest with you, I would have loved to have seen the Atlanta Falcons win. I definitely would have loved to have seen them win, and I think they deserved it. I think they fought hard, and some of the passes that Matt Ryan made, some of the catches that uh, Julio Jones made, I mean, it, it baffled me. It was beyond any kind of, you know, human athletic, I mean, I'm not athletic at all. So there's no way I could even, (laughs) I could even comprehend it, but it was, it was beyond any kind of human comprehension as to somebody's athletic abilities. And the whole team was like that, but the Patriots, they had remarkable moments of their own. They had remarkable moments of their own and they came up and, and whereas the, the Atlanta Falcons would have won their first Super Bowl and made it super exciting. You've got the Patriots who won their fifth, who made history, history. And that also is exciting to see great players continue to be great uh, year after year after year. They don't give out participation trophies. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. They sure don't. But you know what? Better luck next time, Falcons. There's always next year. And you guys are going to have a great new arena. A great new stadium uh, to play in. And and again, you should be proud you had a fantastic season. I will say this on a side note before we get into the politics of the commercials and things. Uh, my son, we put my son to bed about half, a little after halftime. We're like, look, it's 930. Clearly the game's over. Clearly the game's over. Uh, it, you know, what happened was uh, the, uh, I guess, after halftime, the Patriots came back in and they let Atlanta score again, making it 28-3. So we put the kids to bed, and then just moments after that, uh, something amazing happened, and the uh, Patriots got the ball back on a Matt Ryan fumble, and they were about to score. So I woke my son up. My my wife said, get him back down here, right? We woke him up. We brought him back down, and we said, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. Something amazing is about to happen, and we let him stay up for the whole thing, and thank God we did, because otherwise, we would have been the worst parents in the world to cheat our kid out of, uh, out of that kind of historic football moment, watching history being made with the first overtime game. I mean, he's he's like a waste. He's a waste story today. He's not going to get anything accomplished, but at least he had fun. You know what? You always have to take advantage of, uh, of letting your kids watch history live as it happens. Now, a couple of other things, a couple of other things that happened. Uh, oh, by the way, I have to play this guy's funny. This pain we're feeling is not just from the Falcons. It's a cumulative effect. It's the Braves. It's the Hawks. It's uh, every hockey and soccer team we've ever had. And we just can't seem to get over the hurdle. It's it's brutal being an Atlanta sports fan. I will say this, however. Georgia Tech won the uh, TaxSlayer.com Bowl this year. So you do have that. You do have that going for you. All right, now uh, a couple of the other things that we should mention are the politics of the Super Bowl, and this year was very political in the NFL. You had all the uh, all the stuff going on with Colin Kaepernick and Black Lives Matter and police brutality, and we actually had we actually had a guy call in today and say this: "Bird Lives Matter." Yeah, uh, but basically, you know, uh, this was the year that Michael Vick retired from the NFL. Uh, you know, one of the most notorious uh, Falcons to ever play for Atlanta or for any squad. In the NFL, too. Also controversial when he moved to Philadelphia, but he retired just, you know, earlier, just before the game. So a lot of politics happening uh, in the NFL this year. Uh, A lot of politics happening off the field, too. And where the place where we expected to see it most was in the Lady Gaga halftime show was in the Lady Gaga halftime show. And there was very little. If any politics in that show at all. There was very little in the Lady Gaga halftime show that could be political at all, at all. She didn't make any statements. She didn't do anything overtly political. She didn't stop down her songs or change the lyrics. Uh, or anything like that. She jumped off the roof. Uh, One guy called in earlier today and said, hey, you know what? She yelled out to mom and dad, and that's a microaggression because not all families are made up of a mother and a father. But otherwise, there was nothing else in the entire Super Bowl halftime show that anyone could deem as a political message from Lady Gaga, which was surprising to a lot of people because I think most people were waiting for it. You know, it was much like, it was much like the Atlanta fans expecting, expecting a big win. They were expecting at all costs that their league MVP, that their dirty birds, the ones who just basically pummeled Aaron Rodgers, sent the Green Bay Packers packing, kept them scoreless in an, an entire first half in the NFC Championship game. They felt that they were almost entitled to it. And I think a lot of ways people thought Lady Gaga felt she was entitled to make a political statement during the Super Bowl halftime show, and she didn't. But that doesn't mean that there weren't any political statements at all. In fact, many of them came in a spot where I didn't expect them all to come from, and that was the Super Bowl commercials. It was the Super Bowl advertising. And I had to sit and think to myself, why on earth, why in the world are all of these Super Bowl commercials getting political? I mean, as, a, as an advertising agency, as somebody whose job it is, it is to get as many consumers to lay down money for a particular product, why on earth? Why on earth would you want to try to ostracize an entire, an entire group of people? Why on earth would you want to take a side one way or the other against an issue that affects so many people so emotionally and politically? Why would, you want to take, why would you want to take half of your audience and put them aside and say, you know what? Our views aren't in line with your views, so maybe we shouldn't do business together. Just doesn't make sense to me, but that's what companies were doing over and over and over again. Uh, one of the, one of the most political ads, uh, I mean, directly political was for a company called 84 Lumber and 84 Lumber had an ad, uh, which showed a young girl waking up in Mexico. She goes to her mom, wakes her up in the middle of the night. Her mom says something to her in Spanish. They start looking at photos. And at that moment, for whatever reason, they decide they need to immigrate to the United States. They need to, all of a sudden. Here's what happens they say they wake up in the middle of the night. The daughter says something to the mom, and for whatever reason, they're like, We got to go now to the U.S. And they go to town. They find a coyote, which is a guy who smuggles people across the border. They she gives them whatever little money she has. They get in the truck. Then they're, then they're, they're traipsing across a river and a desert, and they're going on and on and on. And they they uh, they're getting closer and closer to the United States of America, and all along the way. All along the path, this little girl is picking up little scraps of paper and cloth and they come to barbed wire and there's a torn shirt on the barbed wire fence and she picks that up as well and she puts it in her pocket and then at night when they're camped out, you know, trying to stay away from the real coyotes, she's working on something and then, and then they start walking closer and closer to the United States of America and at that point, the commercial ends and a sign comes up directing you to a website, it says, to see the conclusion Go to journey84.com. And so, you know, just out of curiosity, I was like, well, I got to go to journey84.com now. And I grabbed my phone and I went on to journey84 and I got a white screen with a little message at the top that says, we're sorry. Uh, The server cannot be reached at this time. And I hit Twitter and I realized everybody else was trying to get on it too. And their server crashed. $5 Five million dollars down the tubes because they spent all their money on advertising and no money upgrading their server space so that they could make sure that all of these people that they were directing traffic to their website could actually see what was on their website. I finally got to watch it uh, late uh, this morning when I woke up, and it was uh, it was so controversial, apparently Fox thought deemed this commercial to be so controversial that they pulled the plug on it and they made them cut it in two, and they said, "If you want to watch this ad." What you have to do, or if you want to run this ad, you have to cut it up. We're not going to show the second half because the second half of the ad depicted a a representation of Donald Trump's border wall. It was an ad for this lumber company that depicted, it showed you this border wall along the border of the United States and Mexico. And it was, it was, it was the mom and the daughter finally at the end of their quest walking up to what appeared to be a huge cement wall. And the girl pulls out her little tattered uh, project that she's been working on. And it's an American flag, red and white and blue strips that she's she's turned into a, a patchwork makeshift American flag. And the mother looks despondent up, up this wall. And the little girl looks at her flag and is like, where's our American dream? And then all of a sudden these doors appear and the doors are made of wood, of lumber and they walk through, they push open the doors, they walk through, and then uh, there's a notice from uh, Lumber84 that says, uh, the will to succeed is always welcome here. At which point I thought to myself, what is this ad trying to say? What message, what, which side of this issue are they on? Are they saying that the wall is bad? Because they're a lumber company and there's probably a lot of money in building a 1500, uh, 1500 mile wall. There's probably a big fat government contract in it for you. Is that what you're trying to do? Get the attention of the government contractors and Donald Trump who are going to be spending uh, billions of dollars on lumber and other materials to build this wall at the Mexican border? Or are you saying that this wall is a bad idea, that it keeps out uh, moms and their young daughters who are just chasing a better life? I think a lot of people took it to be uh, a, a poke, a poking of the Trump bear, if you will. At least that's how I saw it at, at, the, uh, at the outset. I saw it as a, a brash statement by a large corporation in the construction industry, which is uh, very closely tied to the immigration issue. I mean, look, the majority of construction people, or not the majority, but a, a vast majority in many towns in the, in the United States of America, construction workers are made up of immigrants, both legal and illegal. And so the construction industry, the lumber companies, uh, all of these things, they would, they would benefit from more immigration. And maybe that's maybe that's the message they were trying to send. Now, fun fact: I uh, later found out that eighty four lumber is kind of like a Home Depot, and a Home Depot is a company that was founded by the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, a guy named Arthur Blank. He made his he made his billions in the, uh, in the Home Depot industry, building that company up to what it is, and then he bought the Atlanta Falcons and a couple of other teams. So maybe. It's just a statement. Uh, maybe they're just trying to, to uh, you know, get in his head by saying, hey, we're a competitor and we're buying uh, ads during your Super Bowl performance. But you know, again, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Uh, but anyway, so that, that was the biggest, most controversial ad of the night. And it, it ranked pretty highly on the meter. Eventually, a lot of people went to go see it. And people are, are saying, you know, this is clearly a political message, but it wasn't the only one. It wasn't the only one. There was uh, there was another ad from Audi, which tackled a, an intro. I don't know why Audi decided to tackle this particular issue, but they decided that something they wanted to get behind and make a statement about was uh, equal pay for women. And so they came up with an ad narrated by a father about a little girl. And during the commercial, she was competing against these boys in a, uh, what do you call it, like soapbox derby or whatever it is. What do I tell my daughter? Do I tell her that her grandpa's worth more than her grandma? Right, and by the way, let me pause this for a second, because I kind of take offense to that. This ad is set. And I understand what they're saying. Women are equal to men. And no one's going to argue with that. Uh, but uh, what the, they start the ad off by saying, do I tell her that her grandpa is worth more than her grandma or that her dad is worth more than her mom? And I think to myself, number one, why would you ever tell a child that? And number two, I mean, it that doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Clearly, what they're doing is they're equating human worth to the amount of money you make. And that's something that you're supposed to not teach your children. You're supposed to teach your children the opposite, that the amount of money in your bank account is not uh, equal to your worth or your, or your sacrifice or your, uh, or your ability to perform or your contributions to the world. That your self-worth comes from within. I mean, financially, is, is, is grandpa worth more than grandma? No, because when you're married, you're also supposed to be one person. I mean, uh, uh, you know, in my household, all the money that we make, it's not separated. It all goes into the same pot and we all pull from it. And we know that no one person works harder than the other person. And we all know that we, because of the contributions that we make, my wife, me, even the kids, uh, I have the ability to earn what I do, what I make. I have the options and the abilities to uh, you know to uh, to help my family out and to support my family financially, but you know there's other contributions that are made. And so if you look at the worth of, of a man or a woman over each other, I think that's a horrible message to to convey, but Audi thinks it's something that we need to talk about. Do I tell her that despite her education, her drive, her skills, her intelligence, She will automatically be valued as less than every man she ever meets. Also, I don't think that's true either. I don't think that's true either. I don't think that every man is more valuable than a woman in the workplace, especially. For example, my boss is a woman. The president of my company is a woman. I think this is an old, I think this is an, I mean, this is an older issue that they're trying to tackle and I'm not really sure why. I'm not really sure what they're going after. Maybe they're going after the female car buying market. Maybe they realize the, the opposite of what they're declaring is actually true. Maybe they're saying, hey, we realize that women are coming up in the industry, uh, that, that they have equal pay. Maybe we realize that women are becoming uh, wealthier and they're getting paid more. And maybe we realize that women, hey, they desire luxury cars, too. And we're going to try to be first and foremost in their mind. I don't know what they're trying to do with this ad, but I thought it was all really kind of weird and also insulting to women. <laughs> something different. And then they get in the Audi and they drive away. You know what, dude, you tell her whatever you want. I never tell my daughter anyone's worth more than anyone else. I just tell my daughter, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can earn as much money as you want. Uh, You know, I, I don't say that men are more valuable than women. I don't say that mommy is less valuable than daddy or grandma and grandpa have different net worth. None of that ever comes up. I just talk about her, what she wants to do, her strengths, her education, her contributions to the world, and how she can be uh, awesome her entire life. And also, I'm going to start telling her that she should aspire to drive a BMW because... My personal preference aside, they're way cooler. Uh, They're way cooler than Audis. Uh, So uh, that was another overtly political commercial that came out. It was it and it was it was over and over again. There was another ad for Airbnb, which was a we accept ad. And they, you know, uh, kept pushing this whole, you know, we're all different, but we're all fine. And, you know, nobody's complaining. I didn't think that any that was still an issue. I didn't think that there was an issue because here I am watching the Super Bowl, a game with lots of uh, black players and white players and Asian players and Hispanic players and, you know, Muslim players. And there's a stadium full of all kinds of different people from all walks of life. You've got, what, 150 million Americans all sitting down and doing the same thing, which is watching the same people play the same game. I feel like we're all pretty accepting in that regard. So why now is Airbnb trying to shove this message down uh, down our throats? You know, something else someone pointed out was it seems like all the political messages and all the ads seem to be liberal messages. They seem to be democratic. Uh, it seemed to be the left hand of the aisle, which started spending all this money, $5 million here, $5 million there, trying to get their messages, uh, you know, hammered in, hammered home. And, uh, you know, the reason for that is because I think that more conservative messages uh, and companies that are conservative, they spend more of their time on a local level, making like Chick-fil-A, for example. You never see a Chick-fil-A ad on TV or during the Super Bowl. And Chick-fil-A is one of the most respected and, and one of the, 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 you know, the highest grossing and most delicious of all the fast food companies. Why is that? Well, they take their money and they put it into their restaurants and the atmosphere in their restaurants and the cleanliness of their restaurants. They put it into their product and the, the taste and flavor and the consistency of their product. And they put it into training and they hire the best people and they make sure that their systems are effective and their drive-thrus were just work so quick. I don't understand how Chick-fil-A can get their drive-thru to work so efficiently while other restaurants just struggle with it. And everyone that works there is so nice and so helpful. And the order is almost always right. Oh, I mean, all, I don't think I've ever been in Chick-fil-A, maybe one time. And they were so quick to remedy it that I didn't, I didn't even think twice about ever going back. Whereas some places, the order's wrong consistently. Uh, I know if I go through the drive-thru, I have to triple check. I go to the Chick-fil-A drive-thru window and I drive away. I don't stop and check my bag because I'm pretty sure that most of the time they've gotten it right and that's because that's where they put their money. And when you have a company with such a superior product and such a great atmosphere and such a great client or such a great uh, workforce, you don't need to spend five million dollars on advertising. you don't need to push your political beliefs. you just do what you do and the money will follow uh, anyway, so that was it that's the uh, that's the Super Bowl wrap-up. A little bit of controversy, not just from the political ads, but from the outcome of the game. I don't really think it was Russian hackers, but I will I will investigate a little bit more. In the meantime, don't forget, uh, check out Teespring and get your work in it like Donald. It's Monday. And you know Donald Trump has hit the ground running. The rest of you are still hungover and recovering. But Donald Trump is in the Oval Office working like a dog. Working it like Donald, W-I-L-D. He is wild. If you are too, or if someone you know is, get them a wild working it like Donald T so they can tell everybody they know uh, that they're exactly the same way. Uh, thanks so much for watching. Again, share this with everyone you know, and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, I'm Markay. Love you. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh.